Hello and welcome to Not So Molly Mormon Podcast. Hello, welcome back everyone. This is Sarah. And this is Katie. And I have a question for you, Sarah. Did yeah. you <laughs> did you hold to the rod last night? The iron rod. I <laughs> I wish I would have. That would have been more enjoyable, but I did not. You did yeah. not, but I'm no, but I, I, the song was stuck in my head. <laughs> the song was stuck in my head. It would have been, you know, much more enjoyable than being pregnant. And still, guys, I'm still pregnant. Still, still haven't delivered, if you're wondering. But it was just the recording the next day. So I feel like it's going to be funny because they're going to get these episodes. Oh, you're going to be past And I'm already going to have the baby. Yeah. <laughs> but like, every day I'm just like, is today the day? Please let it be the day. I'm please so tired. Please. <laughs> let it be the day. And where I stop, at, as Katie just had to listen to me for like 20 minutes, oh, just God. vent and bitch, because it's been one of those mental health days where I've just been crying all day long. And I don't know why. No one knows why. I think it's just hormones and life in general and like everything that just piles up and you're like, oh, right. Uh. Well, Cool, 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 cool. Oh, yeah. And a, that's a reminder that you all are allowed to feel your feelings. Exactly. And that it's okay to be sad and to feel the shit that happens. And we're not about the toxic positivity that the Mormon church no. forced down our throat for so many years. So, yeah, yeah it, it sucks when you feel that way, but um, it's okay to feel But feel way. your feelings. And Katie and I talked about that because I was saying, like, I can't imagine being pregnant as a Mormon and not having that like support and understanding where I don't feel super positive all the time. <laughs> right. Sometimes I'm just not in a good place mentally and that's okay. But like, at least I don't have to try to pretend. And be right. Like, you don't have, good? you don't have people around you if telling you to just pray if you feel upset. Yeah. Yeah, to pray and read the Book of Mormon and everything will be fine. <laughs> As if that fixes anything. <laughs> like, reading the Book of Mormon just wanted to send me to sleep. It's so boring. It's so boring. It put me to sleep every night. When you had to, like, read your scriptures before bed, you know how people would be like, I read a chapter or two uh -huh. chapters at night and in the morning. And for me, it was like, I would open my scriptures <laughs> and attempt to read, like, four or five verses and then I usually fell asleep and I was like oh yeah, yeah. job done or like, like yeah and I just like skim over it too to like see how far I can get and then I'm like what did I just read you have to like go back and be like trying to decipher it and it's actually funny now because I <laughs> it's just the, the story that's made up by Joseph Smith but back in the day I was like oh wait I need to try to understand this and then I would just get bored and stop <laughs> <laughs> well there's also like um so in these, like, uh, here they call them antenatal courses. I think in the States they're called prenatal courses. Uh-huh. Anyways, I don't know. Um, or, like, I'm doing hypnobirthing classes as well. So it's all about, like, you know, positivity on the birth and, like, having a playlist or something that soothes you when you're in labor. Or like, you know, something that you listen to maybe 
to help you fall asleep. And they're like naming like some, you know, I've had one patient who really enjoyed listening to Harry Potter books and because that's what they listen to before going to bed and it puts them to sleep immediately. And I was thinking like, maybe I should listen to the Book of Mormon because that shit <laughs> puts me to sleep immediately. Oh my God. No, because then your little baby will hear it. <laughs> I know. He'll come out of the womb and be like, Let's talk about Lehi's dream. And I'll be like, no. His first, his first little British words are, and it came to pass. <laughs> <laughs> and it came to pass, mommy. Mommy. Like, no. You're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, um, today, uh, Sarah doesn't know what I've prepared today. Nope. Um, and it's, <laughs> it is kind of an intense, actually a very intense subject, but it's important to talk about and interesting and a lot of people don't know about it. Or at least I didn't for a while. So, um, really quickly, my what? story, what? I said, Oh boy. Oh, I thought you said, wait, no. <laughs> You're like, Oh great. What has she done? <laughs> <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> out. Bye. bye. <laughs> um, my sources really quickly were from ABC news, Reddit, um, an episode of Mormon Stories, exmormon.org, the Human Rights Campaign, and then there's a documentary called Legacies that um, talks about it. That's really good. And I'm super excited. A quick disclaimer: there's a lot of use of just like the word homosexual instead of gay people in here, and I'm I left it in in context, but that's you know just their words, not mine. I I don't use the word oh those homosexuals, you know. <laughs> I didn't write that. <laughs> same, it's like same-sex attraction or homosexuals is what the church loves to say. Yeah. Every time I hear that word, I think of the line in Mean Girls when they're like, on the fifth day, God created the Remington bull-action rifle to fight the dinosaurs and the homosexuals. <laughs> I always think of that, too. Oh, my God, that movie. It's just, it's one of those movies that will go down as a classic forever. I just... Uh, mm -hmm. It, mean Girls. It's just, I know. Mean Girls and Hocus Pocus. Um, Ooh, which, side note, the second one's coming out, right? Yep. I am so thrilled. I, You know what? That reminds me. Um, We talked about this probably two, maybe even three years ago, how uh, we wanted to be the Sanderson sisters. I'd be, oh, when, yeah. you know, because we're, we're red. I'm the redhead. You're the blonde. And I remember, like, way back before we even chatted with him regularly but Jake he, from Not So Peter Priesthood he messaged us and was like can I please be the third Sanderson sister <laughs> oh my god I remember and didn't someone do art like wasn't there yeah yeah I'm pretty sure there was mm -hmm. oh which was by like the way we need more of that people send us some art because yes I love it I live there for it to see that yeah I mean, I do you guys too, always do my tits amazing in every piece of artwork. Well, so, I mean, you know. they have great real life inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> we both have amazing tits. Katie. Hey, thanks. Hey, thanks. <laughs> You're just the one with the famous tits. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're always out and in your face and talked about. That's why. Fantastic. Um, <laughs> okay. So today we're going to be talking about conversion therapy Ooh. yeah oh, okay yeah. so heavy subject but um yeah I we I realized we hadn't talked about it yet and especially in terms of like 
Mormonism. So yeah, here we go. So conversion therapy is sometimes known as reparative therapy or aversion therapy. It's a range of dangerous and discredited practices that falsely claim to change a person's sexual orientation or gender identity or expression. Such practices have been rejected by every mainstream medical and mental health organization for decades, but due to continuing discrimination and societal bias against LGBTQ people, some practitioners continue to conduct conversion therapy. And minors are especially vulnerable and conversion therapy can lead to depression, anxiety, uh, drug abuse, homelessness, and suicide. So depressing. And it's just so sad because it's obviously, as what you just read, like it's been discredited by the actual, Mm -hmm. like, you know, institutions that should be validated and what we follow. But then you have usually religious organizations that are like, no, it's still... Yes. It's still credible. Let's use it. It still works. No, it doesn't. Yeah. It's, no, it doesn't work. It just leads to intense harm. And yep. um, I, I put that in there because I, I, I'm going to be focusing on conversion therapy at BYU because we're an ex-Mormon podcast, obviously. But, oh. um, <laughs> but it should be noted that this is done, like Sarah said, usually from a religious place. And it's, it's done all over, especially like the States. Um, and it's still done today and it's absolutely horrifying, uh, that this is even a thing that ever happened and still happens. So, so focusing on BYU, a little background, uh, about (laughs) the beloved Sarah's alma mater. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) You're like, oh God, please no. Um, (laughs) Uh, So, on September 12th, 1962, Apostles Spencer W. Kimball and Mark E. Peterson and BYU President Ernest L. Wilkinson agreed on a university policy that said, quote, no one will be admitted as a student whom we have convincing evidence is a homosexual. Shit, and that was in the 60s. 1962. Yeah. Okay. The policy was broadcast in Wilkinson's address to BYU in September 1965 when he stated, quote, we do not intend to admit to this campus any homosexuals. If any of you have this tendency, may I suggest you leave the university immediately. We do not want others on this campus to be contaminated by your presence. Oh, oh my God. First of all, they call it a tendency, which is like... (laughs) Tendency. Sometimes I'm in the mood for dick and sometimes I'm in the mood for whatever. Like, it's just a tendency. It's just a tendency. It's not like just my identity, who I just am. Yeah, it's not just who I am. And then to say it contaminates other people. Oh, my God. Right? Like, uh, If anything, that's an amazing thing. I think everyone should be contaminated by people from the LGBTQ community. They need need that influence in their lives. They're amazing and incredible. Contaminate away, please. Please. (laughs) Yeah, that's what we're going to call it. Jesus. (laughs) Uh, So the next month, general authorities again decided that the university does not permit any known homosexual to enter or remain at BYU. Though they decided that, quote, for the purposes of admission or retention at BYU, that masturbation or self-abuse, as they called it, was not considered homosexuality. What? So, yeah. okay, two things. Uh-huh. 
when was it ever considered masturbation considered homosexuality? And two, how is that self abuse? Like, <laughs> right? it's the o- exact opposite. It's self help. It's like, yeah. I mean, there were so many uh, apostles, I think Floyd K. Packer and um, Bruce R. McConkie and others that taught that, especially for men, if you masturbated, it led to you being gay. What? I didn't, I've never heard of that. Yeah. I, 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 it, I don't know. It makes absolutely no sense. It's ridiculous, obviously, <laughs> because as we know, I think probably every man that we've ever known has masturbated and we know both gay and straight men. So it didn't make any difference. <laughs> it doesn't make any difference. And the same for women and for non-binary. Right. Right. It it doesn't make a difference. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah, to call it self-abuse, come on, BYU. (laughs) I never heard of this. This is just blowing my mind. Right. Even more of a reason why I like cringe every time. (laughs) Where did you go to college? I'm like, you're like, it doesn't matter. I didn't go. (laughs) (laughs) I never went. Just kidding. I didn't. I'm brilliant all on my own. So, um, this decision by top leaders forbidding the enrollment of gay people at BYU was again repeated in meetings in 1966, 1968, and was officially codified in 1968 in the administrator's version of the honor code, which, fuck the honor code. (laughs) What? I didn't know that. Is it still in the honor code? I guess it is. No, I, I I think now they say... They do, they say what the church says, like, oh, well, I guess it's okay if you're gay, just don't, don't express it, don't talk about it, don't hold your partner's hand, don't have a partner. <laughs> just yeah, you're celibate. not allowed to have a partner. Just be celibate, don't talk about it, suppress that part of your identity, and then you can come to our school. <laughs> Jeez. So, oh, All right, now we get into our, <clears throat> my most hated person. <laughs> Dallin H. Dallin H. <laughs> I, I should have waited because I knew you would have guessed it. <laughs> he is just so terrible. I okay. So He's under, horrible. Yeah, under Dallin Homophobe Oaks, as we call him, uh, he was president of BYU during all of the seventies. I believe it was seventy-one to eighty, or somewhere. Oh, I know that. Mm-hmm. He was the president, and yeah. also I'd like to point out this man, this gremlin is next in line to be the prophet right now, currently. So That's also something I did not know. Russell M. Nelson, Rusty, I think he's he's old as, old as shit. Sorry, Rusty, but you are. <laughs> I think he's like 98 or something. Whenever he dies, this man, Alan H. Oaks, is going to take over the whole Mormon church. And that's oh. So under his presidency at BYU, a system of surveillance and searches of dorms of problem students, including, quote, suspected homosexuals, was implemented. What? Yeah. This included electronic recording devices, which BYU security chief uh, Robert Kelslaw confirmed had been planted on students to gather information if they suspected they were gay. Oh my God! How is that not a violation of rights? Was said British way privacy, of privacy. Like <laughs> that. I is... mean, it it's 
Yeah. In reference to the widespread campaign to find homosexuals among BYU students, Oaks stated, quote, two influences we wish to exclude from the BYU community are active homosexuals and drug users, and these subjects are therefore among those with which our security force is concerned. Yeah. So they need to have security forces against the, quote, homosexuals. Mm -hmm. They had, yeah, to watch out, watch out to make sure people aren't being gay and watch out for drugs. Wow. Uh, Okay. Four years later, BYU's newspaper reported Oaks asking BYU security to be especially watchful for any student homosexual infractions. So BYU's security force conducted stakeouts looking for license plates of BYU students at gay bars in Salt Lake City. What? How? Like, first of all, how much funding do you have? And second of all, it's disgusting considering the amount of women who were raped on BYU campus that yes. protection at all. That is such a good point. It, yeah, there's a huge oh. problem with assault and rape at BYU, and that doesn't get this amount of security no. attention. And yeah, like you said, the amount of funding, this comes from the church. This comes from tithing money. Wow. So yeah, they, they did stakeouts, making sure that students weren't going to gay bars, and then they also placed fake contact advertisements in a gay Salt Lake City newspaper to entrap gay students. Jesus fucking Christ. Like, how much time do you have on your hands? Like, what, like, the amount of resources that they're putting into this that could actually be used to protect, like, all Mm -hmm. the students on campus, Mm -hmm. to me, is just so disgusting. Like, you literally are just trying to make everyone's life miserable and to do Mm -hmm. harm. Whereas yeah. you can put these resources into people who actually do harm and, like, help protect your students. Right. Yeah, it shows what they thought of people who were gay. Like, thought that they were, quote-unquote, harmful. And were trying to uh, basically hunt them uh, and kick them out of the school, which is terrible. So, um. Yeah, so in 2000, this is a little bit later, but I just wanted to give even a more recent example. In 2000, 13 students were kicked off campus because they were caught watching the TV series Queer as Folk. What? <laughs> yeah, that's not that long ago. Uh, the and next- nowadays, it's like, you know, every, you know, BYU or like Mormons love talking about like Queer Eye as well. And yeah. That was just 22 years ago that this happened. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, wow. we have thoughts, but, but <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I have lots of thoughts on that, but that's a whole but other episode. That's a whole other thing. <laughs> so the, ne- the next year, two gay students, uh, Matthew Gerson and Ricky Escoto, were expelled under accusations of hand-holding. Oh, my, my. What? Mm-hmm. It's also not just a level of homophobia, but also just, like, the stereotype that men need to be macho men and like worthy priesthood holders who show no affection. Like men can hold hands and it's not a sexual thing. They can exactly. be quote unquote straight. Like, you know, the, 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 it's just ridiculous. Like women can hold hands and no one thinks like, Oh my God, are they in a relationship? Like, it's just kind of like, Oh yeah, they're friends or they're girlfriends or they're whatever no one thinks about it but if a guy two men were to hold hands it's like oh they must be gay and that's disgusting it's yeah 
the patriarchy is bad for men, just as bad as it is for women. Yep. The associate dean of students, Lane Fisher, over the BYU Honor Code Office stated in a letter to those students, those ones that were expelled, that it was inappropriate for a BYU student to advocate for the homosexual lifestyle by participating in public demonstrations, as well as advertising one's same-sex preference in any public way. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> the same guy also required LGBTQ students facing discipline to refrain from regular association with, quote, homosexual men. <gasps> yeah. Again, fucking patriarchy. Yep. I just never, I mean, obviously, because, and, and I'm full on aware of the fact that I'm privileged that I never had to deal with any of this discrimination at BYU or like stress about this. But like, I just honestly, it breaks my heart to think that like you're already struggling with your identity and figuring out who you are. And then you're being told by the church that like, this is a negative, this is a sin. You shouldn't practice that. But then on top of it, you're like cut off from everyone who identifies in an area that you do as well. So that you could receive support and love and community so you're literally just stranded 100% by yourself in your own thoughts, having to deal with this on your own. It's, like, it's just, it's, it's awful. so heartbreaking. It it's really so is. I know. It really is. Okay. Now we're going to get into discussing conversion therapy. So I know I said it earlier, but just like a little a bit of a content warning here. It's It's intense and it can be troubling. So if you're not wanting to hear it, maybe skip ahead or come back later. So, okay, yeah, from 1971 to 1980, BYU's president, Dallin H. Oaks, instated Gerald, Gerald J. Dye, what a name, his last name is Dye, oh, name. <laughs> yeah. uh, over the university standards office, which was renamed the honor code office eventually. Oh. Dye stated that during that decade, part of the set process for homosexual BYU students referred to his office for quote-unquote offenses was to require that they undergo some form of therapy to remain at BYU, including including electroshock and vomiting aversion therapies. What? Now, so what would happen is these students, if they were suspected of being gay, if they self-reported, like talk to their bishop or whoever about being gay, or if they were caught, I don't know, doing something that could be considered gay, like holding someone else's hand, Jesus Christ, um, they were sent to this office, sent to the honor code office. And wow. in order to stay at BYU, they had to undergo some form of this therapy, or they get kicked out and have to face that ramification of losing your education, having to tell your family why you were kicked out, all of that. So, what? Uh, okay. So I'm going to explain one of these therapies first, and it's just terrible. All right. So vomiting aversion therapy. <clears throat> this is when a gay patient would be strapped down in a chair with an IV in their arm. They were then shown gay porn, and it if or when they became aroused, the administrator would inject drugs into the patient via the IV that would make them vomit. What? Mm -hmm. The goal. How is that legal? How is that even allowed? And also, oh. 
it's only towards men again because how would they know that a woman is aroused unless they have yeah um to to be like totally honest the only things i could find were done on men and i could be wrong like uh, women could have gone through this as well or non-binary people but what i found was these therapies quote unquote done on on men uh, because they would measure they could measure your erection uh, and stuff like that. So, yeah. So the also, goal- how is that, like, considered okay in the church to do because you're showing them porn? I know. I, I During researching this, I had the same thought. I was like, oh, so, okay, I guess they allow porn in this setting. I, I don't know. They Maybe they thought in their fucked up minds that the end justifies the means of what they thought the end was was going to be quote-unquote curing them of being gay and so then it somehow was okay I don't know because yeah in Mormonism porn is like the devil (laughs) yeah exactly so the fact that they're using it as part of their conversion therapy is okay yeah so the supposed goal of this was to quote-unquote correct the the gay person into being straight by making them throw up when seeing gay porn. The administrator would then show the patient heterosexual porn and inject the patient with euphoric drugs to help them associate heterosex with bliss. What? This is so fucked. I like, right? My jaw is on the floor. I can't believe that this was something that was practiced and not, not only practiced, but with, but administered by the Mormon church at BYU. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so obviously this didn't work. Um, many patients became suicidal. And not to mention, uh, just imagine the plethora of trauma and, and damage this would cause someone. Like, this is torture. This is torture. literal yeah. torture to to fix them of something that's not even wrong and... and and I the documentary I watched on this, these men were opening up and talking about how this happened to them. And almost all of them said they had not seen porn before this. This was like their introduction into that. And I cannot imagine the damage that would do to you mentally with trying to figure out your own sexuality. And then you... And then being shown mm-hmm. in front of people and then being injected with drugs. like To make you... To make you vomit if it's if it's gay porn and to feel great if it's straight porn. It like wow. that oh, I can't even imagine the lasting damage. So um in a specific example of another kind of this, there's um electroshock therapy. So oh, I've heard of this one before. Okay. Okay. So from nineteen seventy five to nineteen seventy six, a man named Max Ford McBride conducted electroshock aversion therapy on 17 men using something called a male arousal measuring device that was placed around the penis. So that's kind of what I was talking about earlier. They, that's how they measure if you're aroused. Like they, what? They put it around like this. Okay, yeah. I'm trying to like visualize this without being obviously <laughs> dirty. Yeah, I don't know exactly there. how it worked. I'm not quite sure I didn't see pictures of it thank god (laughs) um yeah something they would do to measure 
your excitement down there. And then they would have electrodes that were placed usually from what I could gather on the patient's biceps, but I think sometimes they were also on like the the thighs. Um, and so he documented this man documented the use of what he called electrical aversion therapy on the men using a phallometric apparatus, which produced barely tolerable shocks. And he used nude male visual cue stimuli. So I think this is all fancy, a fancy way of saying he showed them gay porn, measured if they got aroused, and if so, they got intense, intense shocks to their arms or legs. Oh. That would cause them a lot of pain. Oh. Uh, and some of these men will would get burns from oh. these. Yeah. That is uh, how, guys, this isn't something that's from like 100 years ago. Like oh. this is the 70s. That's not that long ago that that was done. And yeah. Yeah. So although it's not publicly published, whether or not all top LDS church leaders, <clears throat> excuse me, were aware of the electroshock program, it is known that Apostles Spencer W. Kimball, Mark E. Peterson, and Dallin H. Oaks were very aware of it, and they thought it was effective. <gasps> so that that shows you how recent this is, because Dallin H. Oaks is still alive, everyone, and still spewing hate from the pulpit, I might add, and yep. he's about to be the next prophet. And he was president of BYU. He knew this was happening and thought it was working, thought it was a great thing. And he's never, and again, I just want to point this out, the church and the leaders who supported like horrible things like this have never come out and said, hey, I'm sorry, we fucked up. That was a really bad thing that we did in the past. Like we want to acknowledge it, apologize, make restitution and move forward. They've never done that with any of these no. situations. No. And in fact, I have it in my notes later, but. And there was a press conference last year, 2021, where a reporter stands up and asks Dallin H. Oaks, like, what do you have to say um, for yourself being president of BYU during a vomit aversion therapy and conversion therapy? And Oaks flat out fucking lies and says, when I was when I was there, that wasn't going on anymore. And it is well-documented that it 100% was. He just straight up lied. What? That's, I mean, we know that they lie, but it's never, I mean, the church is usually pretty good about, like, not telling the whole story or, like, avoiding it so that it's not, like, a blatant lie. But that's a blatant lie. A blatant lie. Like, like you said, he could have easily been, said something like, I... I'm, I don't know much about that, but I'm, I'm so sorry if that did happen. Anything that could have even been a little wishy-washy of an apology, no. He just denies it. And all of these men that it happened to are like, um, excuse me? Like, I didn't just dream this up. Wow. <clears throat> all I right. I believe that he just lied about it. And, and now this is, like, vaguely, like, it, I, I remember this, like, that because it happened, you said what last year? Yeah, I last year. Something. I think it was around the time that there was um, the documentary that came out on Netflix about 
um, conversion therapy. Maybe that's what it was. I don't know. But either way, like I remember this like question being asked, but I didn't mm-hmm. remember his response. And that is. Yeah. I love that a reporter asked that. Like, hell yeah, yeah. Amazing on them. But I wish I could say I'm shocked by his response. I'm not. But I'm just. Yeah. Because like, of course he's going to lie. It's like yeah. what it's what bad people do. He's just going to exactly. lie about it. Mm-hmm. So one of the participants in that study that I just talked about, his name is Don Harriman. He wrote that he experienced burns on his arms and emotional trauma, obviously. Another participant, John Clarence Cameron, said, quote, it didn't change anything except increase my self-loathing. I didn't know the ramifications of the experiment until years later. Cameron stated that he would like everyone to just tell the truth, admit the mistakes that took place, and stop trying to act like it didn't happen. Just like we said, like these poor people. Just acknowledge that. I mean, that's, I mean, these victims that had to go through all of this stuff, they're not even asking for like, hey, can you, you know, come out with a public statement that's apologizing directly to me. But it's just acknowledging that, yeah, it happened during that time. These people went through that. Yeah, and yeah. we're not going to do that going forward or like we you know th- we're not we're never going to hear an apology from the church but at mm-hmm, least to mm-hmm. acknowledge yeah not yeah. on top of all the other trauma that they've gone through to now be like okay so now they're just saying i made this all up that it right. didn't happen gaslighting yep. um another one of the test subjects described his experiences stating quote no one wanted to change more than i did I did everything within my power to change, and it didn't alter my homosexuality one bit. All I had learned to do was suppress myself. I was shutting down, turning off, and I was making my life miserable by a pervasive denial of who I am. Oh, so heartbreaking. So sad. Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, I keep, I keep like, clearing my throat because I'm still kind of getting over that sickness, so <laughs> that's fun to listen that's to. Pretty. I mean, that's... <laughs> That's a tangent right there, you guys. She's still getting over a cold and waking up to record at, I mean, she wakes up super early, but we're recording eight o'clock her time. (laughs) Okay. So additionally, Connell O'Donovan describes the attempts by the university to quote unquote cure his homosexuality through vomit inducing aversion therapy, as well as electroshock aversion therapy. So he like describes this. He's like, yeah, it happened. I'm not making it up. And a bunch of other men, like I said, describe the same things in the um, documentary called Legacies, which is on uh, YouTube. If you want to look it up, it's very sad, but very good. Um, Okay, amazing. Yes, definitely. The documentary Eight, The Mormon Proposition, also contains an interview wherein Bruce Barton states that BYU coerced him into Obama aversion therapy, as well as electroshock therapy, which later... um, precipitated his suicide attempt sadly oh. yeah and there's a bunch of other people who have come out and talked about this so in 2011 BYU admitted at least at least to past use of electroshock therapy but denies that it ever used vomit inducing therapy even but how do they deny when there's like clear proof it's so yeah. silly I saw a little caveat that they gave in one where it was like, we deny using it in the BYU counseling center, but the, the people, the victims of this stated that the therapy took place in the basement of the psychology department of the Joseph F. Smith 
uh, family living center. So they like try to do this thing where they're like, well, there's this little, uh, we didn't do it in this building. It's like, that's typical fucking Mormon church right there. Like, Mm -hmm. that's what I mean is that like, normally they don't blatantly lie. They just like say like, oh, we, we did this in the past, but it, or we didn't do this because it was here and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, it was just in a different building, but you still did it. Yeah. Come on. Just you're, yeah. You're twisting everything around and just yep. admit it. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, um, Dallin H. Oaks denies all of this. Uh, like, yeah, last year he said that it wasn't happening. And um, this kind of led me on a little Oaks rabbit hole. But <laughs> in 2017, there's leaked audio from a fireside in Kansas where someone recorded him. And in the recording, he is saying, don't record us. You're not allowed to record general authorities because someone's going to twist my words. Now that I've said, don't record me, I'm going to say, he literally says, I'm troubled with youth that identify as gay because what you are is troubled with same sex attraction. (sighs) And you shouldn't identify as that because that will mess up your salvation. Uh, This was in 2017. He's still doing this shit. He's such a horrible piece of shit. Mm-hmm. And wow. just a couple just a couple weeks ago, there was a BYU fireside. I don't know if you saw this going around, Sarah, but Dallin H. Oaks was at spoke at the BYU fireside a couple of weeks ago, and basically doubled down on Holland's fireside from last year, which was very homophobic. And yeah, yeah, I. I was going to get into that, and I actually, for this episode, I was like, okay, should we listen to that talk and then react to it? And I was like, I don't think Sarah and I can listen to that man's voice for that no. long. No. <laughs> so that I am in today would be, no. like, <laughs> the rage and emotion and, like, tears on this podcast. It'd be, like, the most Debbie Downer podcast episode ever. <laughs> right. That? Yeah, because it's terrible. If you want to feel all the rage, you can go watch it. It's on YouTube, I believe, but it's terrible. And he he basically in it just keeps reiterating that BYU shouldn't bend to the ways of the world and that BYU needs to be different and and essentially not, quote unquote, cave to accepting gay people. Wow. Uh, Is this, I could be totally wrong, so sorry, Dusty and um, Jake, but didn't they just do an episode on that? I saw it yesterday. Yeah. So there you go. (laughs) Yeah, they fully covered it. So go go listen to their episode on it, because I don't want to cover it. (laughs) But they did a good job. (laughs) Well done, you guys. Go check it out on Not So Peter Priesthood. I think it's, I'm looking up now, episode 54. Yeah. So there you have the episode on discussing awful conversion therapy and how it was practiced and condoned at BYU by Dallin H. Oaks. Wow. Well Ooh. done, Kitty, as usual, with the amazing <laughs> research and facts and not just, you know, I think that's a lot of people say like, oh, they don't do their research. They just, you know, vent and, and like rant about shit and they're so bitter and blah, blah, blah. No, Katie throws it down with the stats, with the facts, with the resources. 
really well researched and I think it's a topic it's a tough one but like I didn't know any of this stuff and I'm in shock and it's even more like confirming if I, I didn't think it was possible that the Mormon church is sick and disgusting as fuck and it's still going on this was you know, started in the 60s, and you still have that quote from Dallin H. Oates in 2017 and his most recent yeah. devotional, whatever the fuck. Like, it's still happening, and if you're questioning the church at all, like, just stop. Like, just yeah. leave. You don't want to be a just part leave. of any type of organization and, and pay tithing into it and support a, an institution that allows this type of behavior to happen. Just, right. it's disgusting. And I can hear it now. I can hear it in my head. The Mormons like, well, that was in the 70s and 80s. I don't, I don't care when it nope. was. I mean, the homophobia is still alive and well. Don't get me wrong. I don't think they're doing, they're not doing the electroshock and, and vomit therapy anymore. But like that wasn't, first of all, wasn't that long ago. But I don't care if it even was a hundred years ago. This church and these, these men that are leading and are president of the church and the and BYU they claim to be like a direct line to God they claim to be these just these very religious and great men and they allowed this not only allowed it but thought it was a great idea so how how if they really were talking to God that God is fucked up so yeah exactly yeah. like why would you want to worship and, and, like, devote your entire lives to a God who was like, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's do that. Let's uh, yeah. make Let's. these poor people go through that and think it's a good thing and then continue to talk about it 20, 30 years later, 40, 50 years later, and never acknowledge it or apologize or anything. Just, yeah, don't apologize for what we did, but still hold firm in our homophobia. <sighs> I, yeah. Alan H. Oaks can just fuck right off not even politely no he doesn't get any politeness at all no no, <laughs> no polite fuck offs at all Dallin J.H.O.S. you just go yeah go go fuck off I can't go fuck off can't. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm just like in shock I had no idea because of course they wouldn't talk about this or it's not going to be common knowledge at BYU or in the church and it's just shocking to me that it's not more well-known, especially amongst, like, the progressive Mormons, you know? Like, I'm yeah. just thinking of my, quote-unquote, like, progressive Mormon friends. And I feel like if they knew this, how, like, how can you still be in the church? I don't know. It's How do they, how do, they do it with any of these topics, really? It's a <laughs> lot of mental gymnastics and compartmentalizing and yeah. justifying and all of that. Yeah, anyway, like, thank you all for going on that journey with me. And yeah. <laughs> thanks, Katie. Well done again with the research and the facts and setting thank it you. straight and educating me once again on these things that I had no idea existed, and especially not at the university that I went to. Oh, <laughs> that's, so, that's so scary. Yikes. Oh, all Yikes. right, listeners, we will talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.